and welcome to the Learning Takes Flight podcast, a show dedicated to helping adults better understand childhood. I am your host, Megan Anderson. Welcome to the show. Welcome to today's episode. Um, I'm here ready to record and I just, I have an episode in my mind and planned, but I just really wanted to take a moment to put this out into the universe that um, I'm here in this small studio space, um, which is multi-use space. It's actually my husband's photography studio, but I use it for my podcasting. And it does take me some effort to um, make the short drive from my house down to the studio, um, plan my episodes, and actually feel brave enough to hit record each episode that I do. And I just wanted to take a moment to reflect on why I'm doing this, um, maybe a little bit about who I am, if you're new here. Why is why why is this person out there even bothering to record these? I don't know. Um, so, yeah, my name's Megan, and I own and operate a small Montessori school in Idaho in the United States, and, and it's a smallish town. Um, I mean, in terms of where we live in Idaho, it's it's a, one of the bigger towns, but it's certainly not a city. And, um, yeah, I have, you know, I have about almost 20 years of experience in education. Um, I'm entering about my 17th year of Montessori-focused education. And I don't know, I just, I decided I'm, I'm hitting the, I think, two-year mark of having um, my Instagram for Learning Takes Flight and my podcast. And I've just have, I, one, I can't believe how quickly the time has flown by. And two, um, you know, there are lulls sometimes in what I put out in the world in terms of the podcast and on social media. And I do have a lot of grand plans, but sometimes, you know, I mean, my life, I guess in essence, this isn't my job. Um, I'm not I'm not like trying to make any money off of doing this. My hope, my dream with this is really just to have another um, resource, another voice out there in in the world, in the void, um, just for other people to maybe hopefully connect with. And, you know, there's a lot of times in um, education and in parenting and, and in Montessori education and in my journey to where I am today where... I've had a lot of incredible mentors. I've been inspired by many people. Um, I'm constantly learning something new from someone else on a daily basis. And I do feel like we get inundated, you know, with social media. When I, when I began my, um, my education of becoming an educator, social media didn't exist. I mean, we had, you know, like MySpace, I guess, but nobody used that. Well, I didn't anyway. <laughs> um, so, you know, this is, this is really new. I mean, I guess maybe we had Facebook. I can't remember. Honestly, I honestly cannot remember. My point is though, is that I just feel like we're inundated with ideas and images and impressions of just these quick moving images and reels of, what it should look like or what we should be doing or why we shouldn't be doing that or should and all the things. And I just, I, I guess I just wanted to offer another voice, another perspective that maybe, um, is relatable or, 
is in tune with where you're at or how you're feeling or perhaps answering some questions that you may have had. Just another kind of um, place of reassurance. So that's why I'm here. I'm not here, I don't know, and, it, and it's possibly a little self-serving. I This is an opportunity for me to really organize my thoughts and my views and my vision and my practices. And whenever I create an episode, I'm really honing in on something that I've been thinking about. So if my episodes seem a little bit, you know, organic in that way. They really are. They're truly just coming from something I've either recently experienced or something that's been on my mind or something that um, I have felt a little bit lost on in the past and, and think that other people might be feeling the same way. So if this is something that you are connecting with, if this is something that you find um, a place of, you know, inspiration please follow along. Um, I am so grateful to my few committed listeners who um, are, you know, they must follow or subscribe or whatever because they're the same ones every episode to have my episodes downloaded automatically and are tuning in. And I really hope that, you know, if this is something that you're connecting with, you can reach out to me um, or you can share this with your friends. Because again, the purpose isn't, um, I mean, I have a job. I, I love my job and I my job is um, able to sustain my life and pay my bills. And I'm very, very fortunate. And I have a job that I have created myself and I'm very, very, very fortunate. And I'm, um, you know, I, this isn't the purpose of this podcast. I'm not trying to sell you anything, but I'm definitely wanting to connect more with people. And so I just, I guess I just wanted to start today's episode. Today's episode is all about the new year and, um, thinking about where we're at and our refocus and our intentions. And I guess I just came into the studio today really thinking about that because, you know, I, I have to make myself a to-do list every weekend. The weekends are really hard for me. I get really overwhelmed with free time that isn't free, you know, I guess where I'm like, oh, I got to go to the grocery store or I need to clean this or I should take care of that closet or I should pay these bills or make these connections with friends and family. I mean, there's so many things every weekend and, um, and that's good and it's fine. But I find myself getting overwhelmed in the to-do. So anyway, my podcast was on my to-do list today because I, I meant to actually record this episode last weekend for you for the new year. And um, it just didn't happen. So it's happening today. And anyway, it just got me thinking about what is my purpose with this podcast and what is my purpose with my social media? Because I'm clearly not interested in becoming a content creator. I just don't have it in me. I'm I, I don't know. I, I guess I should be more motivated that way if I really want um, to create a business beyond my classroom. But I will throw this out to the universe because you just never know. But I have spoken at a few different um, conferences, and I have, I have found them extremely just enjoyable and positive experiences. And I, if your school or your organization is, is seeking somebody for a consultation or to run a workshop or to participate, um, in a breakout session or as a speaker at your, um, conference, reach out to me, let me know. I'm happy to participate on online. I'm happy to participate in person and, um, Again, so I guess this is me selling myself a tiny bit, but I guess I just, I, I guess my point is, is that I just want 
people in this kind of community, this Montessori community, this homeschooling, small school, um, project-based education, this kind of free, this freeing aspect of something that is, is outside of the, the box, I guess, so to speak, that's just a little different. Um, I guess I just want to be able to continue to connect with that community. And I really feel like the pandemic kind of halted that for me and um, my opportunities to be a part of group sort of in-person events just sort of hit a major pause. And I don't know, I'm just throwing it back out there that if this is something that you've enjoyed listening to, if you feel like you'd like to further the conversation or become a part of my podcast, I'd be happy to, um, to continue the conversation. So that was a very long winded way of saying hi, and here I am. (laughs) And, um, I hope that if this is something that you've been enjoying tuning into, you'll, you'll reach out, you'll listen, you'll subscribe and follow and all the things. And, um, perhaps we can carry on a conversation outside of this podcast where I'm sitting here basically just talking to myself. (laughs) Although I do imagine that I'm talking to, speaking with you, I guess I should say. So yeah, so I kind of mentioned what I'm going to talk about today. I've really been reflecting on um, this idea of, you know, New Year and why, and part of it is capitalism and our society and social media and all the pressures, but why there is this push for a resolution or New Year, New Me, um, and I really think it is it is very normal. It is it is ingrained within us um, as humans. Mark when when humans began to mark time, and you know have calendars. There is this sense of, and, and perhaps even before that, you know, where we were marking time just by the changing of the seasons and the rhythms of the earth. Um, this understanding of I am growing, I am changing, I am adapting to the seasons, and maybe I'm going to get better. You know, maybe this new season of growing my own food or hunting and gathering or building a shelter, I'm going to do it better. I've learned this skill, and now this time around, I'm going to do it better. So, I mean, this has probably always been a part of humans. Um, I mean, obviously, there's actually a name for it, and now I'm blanking on it, so I'm sorry. But um, so I'm not, I guess I shouldn't say, oh, that maybe it, it really is a thing. Um, but you know, because of our capitalistic society, we've, we've changed that into that meaning that you need to, if you want to feel better, you need to look better. If you want to be better then you need to buy this thing or join this group or whatever. Um, and so I'm, I personally am taking a step back from that. And I have the last several years. I, many, many years ago, decided, you know, New Year's is just, it's another day. It's an opportunity to maybe celebrate with people you care about and like to note the passing of time with. But it is really just another day. And then I started thinking about that and I was like, well, but it is kind of nice to refresh and to reflect on where you've, where you've been, how far you've come and what, what you can hope for, for the next 
the next, the new, the new days, the next year, the coming, the coming days. So I've been thinking about for this episode, um, that maybe some ideas for, you know, as we're looking at this new year and thinking about our goals and our hopes, um, that perhaps we can begin to extend that even out from ourselves. So beginning with ourselves and thinking, well, this is what I hope for for myself, or these are the things that I did last year that I really liked and I want to continue doing. And then now we can, once our we have taken care of ourselves, then we can begin to look towards the children in our lives. And I feel like as much as all of us love our own children, or if we're a teacher, you know, we care very deeply about the children in our classrooms, um, sometimes either we come last and they're put first, but in the wrong ways, and or in an effort to just put ourselves first so often, then they're overlooked. So I guess what I'm what I'm thinking about lately is a renewed focus on improving ourselves, our lives in order to benefit the child. And what would that kind of a focus look like? In a Montessori classroom, we, you know, she was the, she had flexible seating long before it became a trendy thing where now, you know, in modern days, people are like, wow, children, children need to move. Children are happier when they can move their bodies um, in a classroom and not just sit in the same desk all day. Well, yeah, guess what? Maria Montessori has been doing that. Her classrooms were designed that way over a hundred years ago. So, you know, when a lot of people come into our classrooms, they're like, oh, especially in elementary, where are the desks? Where do they do their schoolwork? Um, so we tell people, well, the, the child, the classroom, the child is the focus here, not the teacher. So there is no big, like, teacher's desk at the front with all the children facing the teacher. You know, as many people were in more traditional kind of school settings were raised to have experience. So I guess in a Montessori setting, we're used to putting the child first. But I have found that, um, especially even at home, that oftentimes there is some level of sacrifice when that is happening. And that can develop into, you know, either resentment or um, fatigue in your efforts to where then you can no longer remain consistent. So kind of going back to that idea of, you know, the new year and idea of establishing a resolution or a word meant to inspire your intentions. Um, so this is a really good starting place for us to think, okay, this is where I'm at with my self and my child and, you know, maybe my relationship with my child or, you know, the children in your classroom or whatever setting you want to apply this to. I feel like it can be fairly... Um, you know, universal in general in that, in that way, you can think about how am I treating myself in, um, in life that my child would be witnessing? How have I set up my environment or my schedule or my routines to include my child? So not to the detriment of myself, um, but also in a way that where there is balance. So one thing that I've been thinking a lot about rather than a New Year's resolution and I'm going to do these things or I'm going to, you know, whatever, I've been more thinking in terms of a word 
I do like that idea at times of beginning where you can have, and I do this with my meditation. I do this in my, you know, in my writing, um, of my podcasts or in, you know, my lesson planning, I think of what, what is my theme or my, my word, my goal word that I'm going to come back to. And so for me personally, I've been really reflecting on the word consistency, consistent, just being consistent because too often I get so distracted that I start something and then I, I don't come back to it or I let it fade away. And one thing that I'm really grateful for, um, has been my consistency to my health and, um, you know, I, I just feel really grateful that I don't have to, um, I move my body in some capacity every single day. And so when I was reflecting back on 2022, I was thinking, wow, I've been actually really consistent with that. And it makes me feel better. It makes my mind feel better. I feel better as a person. I don't have any outwardly results. It's not like anybody would look at me and be like, whoa, she's, you know, you look amazing or whatever. It, it, it has evolved to not be that for me, which, you know, is hard and that's my own thing to get over. But I really do feel like I'm taking care of my heart. I'm taking care of my mind. I can, I'm taking care of, you know, I'm not letting my mobility fade, um, my energy, all that. So anyway, my word, I've been reflecting a lot on consistency and, um, but that's because I already have some habits in place that I want to continue and to, to stick with. Um, so, you know, in this kind of broad overarching, um, idea of just this one word, it's, it's a lot bigger than just saying, okay, in this year I'm going to, um, okay, this may be a terrible example, but you know, maybe it's something that, you know, you need to work on. I don't know, but I'm never going to yell at my child. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop raising my voice. Okay. So maybe instead of thinking it of it as that habit that's developed, maybe instead looking at, okay, I'm going, my word is going to be patience, um, or calm. I'm going to try and, and be more calm. And then you start digging a little deeper and looking into, well, what makes me not have patience? What makes me feel, um, stressed or agitated to the level where then I am raising my voice at people and speaking in this unkind way. So I just, I don't know, for me, I've been feeling like a word is going to maybe get me a little further. Um, so that's kind of where I'm headed with today's episode is just really thinking about how can I apply that into my work with children and into the relationships um, with my own children. So, and no matter what, I mean, the hard thing is with, you know, any year, new year, new beginning, time of change, whether it happens at the new year or not, I mean, no matter where you're at in life, I, and I tell my teachers this all the time, I'm always learning. I really believe that there's always, you know, there's always something you could be doing better. There's always perhaps a better way to do something that you're already doing, um, and I think if you keep that open mind and open heart, especially as a parent and as an educator, then you're never closing yourself off to, it's like, well, I already know how to do that. I'm going to teach, you know, reading in this way, or I'm going to, you know, always choose this lesson at this time. 
And I just, I mean, I'm a very kind of think on my feet type of parent and educator. And sometimes that's to my benefit and sometimes it's to my detriment. But I have found that the more that I keep my mind and my heart open to, um, to change or, you know, just that adaptability, which kind of goes against my word consistent, but I'll get to that. But I mean, just keeping that open mind and open heart, allowing yourself mistakes, allowing your focus to have to maybe shift, allowing your, um, so for me, like, what is it that I'm consistent in? Well, maybe that has to shift. I don't know. Maybe I'll get an injury and I won't be able to, you know, exercise my body in the same way that I have been. And, and that'll make me have to shift, um, you know, what I'm consistent with. So maybe my consistency is in sleep or in eating better or in reading, you know, more books. Um, so I, I guess just as we go through, you know, today's episode and thinking about the new year, just also coming at it with keeping that open mind and that open heart. So (laughs) I guess, you know, it's important to also think that why I'm chuckling about this is because as I say this, even like with consistency and my relationships with my own children and the children in my classroom, um, children are an excellent reminder and a derailer of progress to remain, um, you know, in the moment, I mean, you have, so you can have the best plan or the, like, we're going to do this and this and this and this. And then as soon as you involve the child, um, things can go off the rails pretty quickly. And so they're a really good reminder of keeping that open mind and that open heart and just really being in the moment. So my new year's goal and hope for you in your work or relationship with the children in your lives is to set goals or word or resolution, however you want to frame it, that are going to allow you to improve your relationship and your understanding of the child in your life. So, because children can simultaneously keep us rooted in the here and the now and they can also cause us to worry about the future and to unnecessarily um, try and control things that haven't happened yet or to wish that something was different. And let me tell you, this does not end when your child um, grows older. In fact, it might even become more challenging for you to just truly take that deep breath and stay in the moment and allow your child to be their own person and to be independent of you. So that's really tough when they are a toddler um, in those early childhood years where you just want to reach in and overstep and do every single thing for them. And, you know, I guess, and I don't know why, because I've studied this in school. I've witnessed it with other children. I remember being a teenager. Yeah, apparently that feeling just really doesn't ever really go away. And so, well, for some people. So for me, it hasn't. I have become, um, I've really had to, okay, so this is a tough thing to say, but I've become somewhat in an unhealthy way obsessed with uh, my children's future happiness. And there just comes a point where you realize you, it's just like with any age of, of childhood, 
you can't control the outcome. You can control the environment. You can guide. You can provide um, the very best in, you know, love and support. But they're their own person. They're going to make their own choices. They are going to exist outside of you. So, uh, yeah, so this can be the most exhausting aspect of parenting. You feel as though, you know, certain phases will never end and it will be just like this forever. Even if our rational mind, obviously we know that that isn't true. Um, it certainly feels that way, you know, when we're struggling. So think about, um, when your child is very young, you know, sleep difficulties, bathroom difficulties. Um, I just remember at one point, as a brand new mom, feeling like I could never get on a, you know, I could never be in sync with my son's um, feeding schedule and needs and focus that way. And then I just, I remember just feeling really trapped by that, which is terrible. Of course, I wanted to nourish my child and um, give him everything that he needed. But it just, I just remember distinctly realizing this is a, this is a difficult time. This is, I have to give my, there's no room. It felt like there was no room left for me. And then I think that that mindset and then those habits can carry on as your child grows and they don't, they don't need you as much anymore sooner than you might think. And I think that's why, you know, we constantly, there's never been a time where we have not had a parent who has been in awe of their child in the Montessori classroom saying, well, they don't do that at home or why don't they do that at home? Or, you know, I, I, and I also feel like I'm constantly having to educate the parents of you are in a nice way, but (laughs) inadvertently they're undoing their child's hard work that at school by not acknowledging their abilities, their potential when the child comes home. So suddenly putting their shoes on for them, suddenly putting their coat on for them, suddenly, you know, treating them like they're at a restaurant. Oh, do you want this or do you want this? Or what would, what would you like instead of uh, providing, you know, just healthy options and then the child being able to, to choose from that and serve themselves. I mean, all these little things, these are little changes that you can make within your home that will match what they're already building in their Montessori environment at school. And, you know, I'm just as guilty as the next parent. And I've always been, I mean, I was Montessori educated when I became a parent. So, you know, it happens to to all of us, even when we know better, even when we are trained to know better. So, you know, the future can be terrifying with children, um, especially as they reach that second and third plane of development. So I kind of just talked about this a moment ago, but even the fourth plane is still just a bit scary. Um, But you know, in a whole new way, just your child becoming that teen into young adulthood where they truly are out in the world more. And it's, you know, the world is a scary place. And I guess if you want to sleep at night, um, you just have to, uh, surround yourself with, with love, um, be as much in the moment as you can, enjoying the time that you do have. And, trying desperately to not imagine every single worst case scenario. And just to touch on, if you're not familiar with um, what uh, Dr. Montessori called the the planes of development, I can put a link in the show notes um, to some articles that explain that further. But it it really is fascinating. And once you read about it, you'll think, oh, I, I am seeing that. And by studying those planes of development, you will actually learn to understand Um, your child's needs or maybe why they're doing what they're doing um, 
you know, so it is, it is really fascinating. Um, so we're in the new year, setting these intentions and these goals for ourselves and maybe in your family. So I'm, I'm inviting you that as you're looking inward, I want you to begin to look at your relationships with the children in your life and to reevaluate that focus and the balance that you have with them. So focus, where is your focus? Are you being like me where you're just worrying over every single success, every single failure, everything that looks like it maybe isn't going, um, the way that you think it should for your child? Are you worrying over milestones and development? Or are you, are you not giving enough attention to specific goals and skills? So I've been kind of in a quagmire with, um, you know, I don't know why in 2023, I'm still having to have this conversation with parents, but if you are not reading with your child every single day, every single day, reading with your newborn, reading with your toddler, reading with your, you know, three, four, five-year-old. I read with my son until he took the book from my hands and was like, mom, I just, I'm going to keep reading because I was like, I got to go to bed. He was like, well, can I stay up and keep reading? I will never forget it. And it was Harry Potter. And, you know, he was about, I want to say nine and we had kept the tradition going for that long. We had kept that routine. And part of it, yes, is because I love to read and I wanted to instill that in him. But I knew reading together is so, so vital. And I still, I still have parents of children that I teach who admit to me, I do not read with my child. We don't read at home. Parents aren't reading as much or children aren't seeing books in their home. I mean, this is, I'm sort of getting off topic here, but my point is, where is your focus and and are you understanding goals that you should be setting now? So I guess the, there's two sides to this. I read to my son. He was read to. most. I mean, I know his dad would have read to him too, but we read every single day. I mean, if he was sick, if we were on vacation, we were reading. Now, was I making him read out loud to me? No. I mean, there is a time and a place for that. But just him seeing the book, hearing the story, being read to, being immersed in that. He struggled as an early reader. He struggled. Um, he was in you know, a special reading program because at the time when he was in first grade, I didn't have my school yet, um, didn't have elementary. So he had gone there for kindergarten, um, and he had done primary Montessori at a different school. But he, yeah, so anyway, he... But what was funny is he failed the timed reading test in public school because he wanted to talk to the person doing the test, and they never really got around to it. But, I mean, he still needed help, and he still benefited from it. Um, now he's he loves – he's always loved to read. He's an advanced reader. Um, he reads often. He enjoys reading. And I guess my point is, is that if you're focused on – the outcome, that might derail you. But if you're not focused at all on, hey, where's my child at with reading? Are we reading enough? Should we read together? 
that's where I'm talking about what is your focus and what is the balance. So as long as they're being read to, and as long as they're being exposed to books, you are not only going to deepen your relationship, you are building a connection with your child with reading. And then you can start to say, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not seeing their interest continue or their um, comprehension isn't there. They're, they're not listening or they don't understand. or um, So then you can start to have a better awareness of, especially if you're not your child's teacher, that, hey, hey, classroom teacher, I've noticed this at home when we read together. Have you noticed this in the classroom? Rather than being on the flip side of that where the teacher is saying, hey, I'm seeing this and I'm concerned and you have no idea. And it's never too late to start. So it's just like with, you know, a New Year's resolution or something. I I read a really interesting article that said that instead of being negative towards people who are going back to the gym or coming to the gym for the first time in January, we should actually be welcoming and we should be supportive as a society and saying, I'm so glad you're here. And instead of making people feel badly about themselves, just lifting them up, it's that same thing. It's like parents, educators want you to be successful with your child in things such as reading and spending time together. That's why I think a lot, I really love um, the 1,000 hours outside group. And I just think about, you know, they have, um, if you haven't found them on social media, you should follow them, but it's just, it's that reminder and that outdoor education of, we need to be spending time in nature. And I really like, they have free downloadable, um, out, uh, tracking charts for how, how much you go outside. And I just think something even as simple as that, especially if you're a homeschool parent, or especially if you, you live in a place where winters are really tough, Are we going outside? Or, you know, even a classroom teacher. So, like, in my school, it's sometimes up to the teachers whether or not they go outside. I definitely give them the, hey, (laughs) okay, you stayed in first recess. I need to see you outside so that we're hitting you know, meeting the the state requirements for um, free play and recess. But it's just, it's crazy to me how many people would opt to just stay inside. I guess I understand it is a lot of work to get children outside, but if you're teaching them to be independent and get themselves ready and, you know, all of those steps, then going outside isn't a big deal. And if you have indoor shoes for your child or they can be bare feet or in slippers or whatever, then it doesn't matter how muddy their shoes get. And if they have a change of clothes, it doesn't matter how muddy their clothes get or whatever. My point is, is that I... I can see where the hangups are, but I like that the thousand hours outside people offer a visual tracking sheet. It's really cool. They have lots of different ones that you just color in um, when you went outside and you can keep track of your hours. And I just, I think that sometimes, I don't know. I mean, there's that fine line of too much tracking and becoming obsessed with, you know, getting the reward or hitting the goal or whatever. But I do think that that's a really nice way, especially if you have elementary age children to just, uh Oh, we didn't go outside today or, Oh, we were only outside for 15 minutes yesterday. Whoops. Today we should, we should double that or triple it. We should be outside a lot longer since we didn't spend enough time outside yesterday. And it's just that self check-in of, I am going to make sure that this is happening for my child. So while I don't like reading logs, I do think that there can be a fun way with your child. I mean, even setting the goal of a chapter book. I read chapter books to my son at a very young age. 
because it was neat to be able to say, okay, we're going to read a chapter every night. And then when you've finished that whole entire book, that's your tracker right there. That's your goal setting. Or maybe you make a stack with your picture books. If you're not quite to chapter books yet, maybe you have a special basket for the ones that you've read and a special basket for the ones that you're going to read. And then, oh my goodness, the basket's already full. Well, now let, now we gotta, we've read, you know, that basket fit 20 books. We've read 20 books this month. Um, so I guess those are, those are just a few ideas of what I mean, where if you're not focusing, there's a healthy way to focus on progress that your child is making without stepping into that danger zone of overthinking it of, well, why isn't my child doing this lesson yet? Or why don't you see that they're capable of this? Or, uh oh, my, my friend's child is, you know, reading at this level or speaking these words or able to use the toilet independently or, you know, is already applying to colleges, whatever phase of life you're in. If you start that dangerous game of comparison, that is where, you know, that thief of joy, like don't go down that road with your child, staying in the moment, staying present and acknowledging what your focus should be with your child. So, you know, with my teen currently, my focus is his, his day-to-day happiness, his ability to speak about things that inspire him and excite him, and his, his ability to be involved in our day-to-day just family life instead of closing himself off. That's my hope for him. Now, if those things are all in place then I know he's getting to school and he's making it through the school day and he's then he can set goals to, you know, pass his classes and find fulfillment in what he's learning at school. So it's kind of all, you know, it's a it's almost like a building block system. And that is because I have had to adjust my focus. And he's so good about even helping me reminding me. So for example, oh my gosh, we went and hung out this morning um, and just did some thrift shopping together. And I'm so happy that he wanted to go and he was excited about it. And um, we were coming home and it's just a really gray, dreary, just one of those January days here in our town and um, not the kind of day where I'm inspired to work in my garden outside. We have a lot of leaves, uh, trees in our neighborhood and a lot of sycamore trees. And so the leaves are just kind of a year-round thing that we have to all, all the neighbors and I have to deal with. And um, anyway, one of my neighbors was out raking their leaves and their yard, you know, looked beautiful and they had gotten all the leaves cleaned up and she was out there raking away. And I said um, out loud, um, ah, I should be doing that. Ugh, look at her go. I should be raking my leaves and making my yard look like that. And Noah said to me, well, mom, don't, you know, don't make yourself feel bad because you're not raking leaves. You should refocus it and say, huh, when will I, I'll make a plan to rake my leaves or good for her. She's raking her, her yard looks nice. Maybe I'll rake my leaves. Like he was just helping me to reframe it. He said it even better than that. And I just, yeah, I mean, 
he said exactly what I needed to hear. And it was just that, again, yet again, that really good reminder that our children are capable of so much more than we give them credit for. And he's also been a really good just kind of reminder of my focus where, you know, I'll say, well, did you do this or this or this for this class? And he'll just be like, mom, I got it. Or yeah, I'm not thinking about that right now. I'm thinking about, you know, whatever he's doing in that moment, like making soup or um, practicing his violin or something like that. He's like, I'm not thinking about that. And that, again, just those lessons in me spiraling and worrying about the future to the detriment of, you know, my, my time in the moment where I should just be marveling at the fact that he's, you know, up and about and feeding himself or playing the violin or hanging out with, you know, his dad and I, or out for a walk with me or whatever it is that we're, we're doing. So, you know, so I guess my, my refocus in my relationship with my own child is going to be this year to really just stay in the moment and to let go of my ideas of what his future should be. Because that is not a healthy place for me or for him or for our relationship. Um, so, yeah. So I guess I mean these are some of these are some of my goals and just some ideas to throw out to you, um, maybe to hopefully inspire you. Uh, you know, so deci- deciding where your focus is in terms of your child. Like I just said, you know, mine. I've had all these wake up calls just in my conversations with my son, but it definitely requires self-reflection and it requires observation. Dr. Montessori deemed observation one of our most important tasks as an educator. And I think it's highly vital as a parent too, you know, so she would set aside, she was a scientist, right? First, um, first and foremost. And that scientist, scientific observation of the child where you are just, you know, within your classroom, whether you homeschool, you know, have more of a traditional classroom setting, and then at home with your child, just gentle observation. You might, you know, as an educator, you know, she would encourage us to take notes. She would even have us, um, she would suggested, you know, we're taught in Montessori training, you write down date, um, time of day, weather, um, just all these kind of external factors to help you to really hone in on perhaps why you're seeing whatever you're seeing. So like the children might behave differently when it's 10 minutes before lunch, as opposed to, you know, an hour and a half after lunch where they've settled into their afternoon. It's not quite outside playtime. It's not quite time for end of the day cleanup. Um, so yeah, those factors, those environmental factors, I think are really fascinating and, and vital. And as a parent, you know, maybe you don't take it to that max where you're standing there with your journal, jotting down everything that your child's doing, especially if your child is, you know, almost 17, like mine, he might, why are you writing about me? That's weird. (laughs) Like, don't. Um, But, you know, if you do, like with your young child, if you're, you know, if you're at home with your very young child, I think that would be something I never did this. I should have probably, but I think it would actually be really cool to take observation notes every once in a while and just write down like, oh, today they did this or right now we're, you know, he's, he's built a block tower five times 
silently, you know, over and over. He's really enjoying um, this this work right now, or this puzzle, or you know, she's she keeps coming back to the same book on the shelf. I, those I think those kinds of observations can benefit you to not only keep you in the moment, but to help you to reflect back on in those difficult times of like, oh, that was a beautiful afternoon. Oh, maybe I should bring that puzzle back out. Or where did it go? Or, ooh, maybe there's another book in that by that same author. Maybe we should go to the library and find that one. So, you know, I, I really do think that observation and, and then within yourself as well, that self-reflection is key into knowing um, into, into helping you to reset your focus. Um, because, you know, sometimes it's, again, you wouldn't think that your life would get so busy that you wouldn't actually notice your child or their skills or their potential. Um, but you might, and it's the same thing in my classroom. I am constant. I've been teaching for a while now. And a lot of these children I've been teaching in some capacity in my current class since they were three, I've known them a long time. You would think that I wouldn't be so surprised when they surprise me. They do still surprise me, and they inspire me constantly. And through my observation notes and my, um, you know, designing curriculum specifically for them and realizing that, hey, just because I did that lesson last year doesn't mean they won't like it again, or maybe I could add this to it because they're ready for it and it'll be thrilling for them. Um you know, I mean, okay, here, so here's a little story. This is a really good example. So just the other day, um, this was our first week back. And um, so the Montessori, the grammar boxes, uh, which, you know, in, in my school, um, I don't, there's some things that are, yes, they can be introduced in primary um, and they continue on in elementary. And I just, for some reason, the grammar boxes, they ebb and flow in popularity. And if you're not, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, I'll, I'll put a link in my show notes. So you can go look them up. But essentially, they're a, an advanced level of practicing parts of speech and building sentences and just learning the function of, of various words. Um, and they're beautiful. They're brightly colored. They're gorgeous. And I have a beautiful set that's all wooden, and it's it's incredible. And I swear to you, there are years that go by where nobody wants to touch them. I give lessons in them. Kids could care less. There are the filing boxes. They can act out whatever the sentence says. And I've, I've had years where, um, yeah, again, nobody wants to act them out. Nobody wants to touch them. So... That I just haven't really, honestly, I'll be honest, as a Montessori teacher, I just haven't really utilized them in the last couple of years. Um, I had a group right before the pandemic. They were obsessed with them. Pandemic hit. They weren't really something that was transferable over, you know, as an at-home lesson over Zoom and all that. So I just, I didn't really use them. That class came back. We just kind of moved on. I've always had one or two of the boxes out. And sometimes kids would use them. Sometimes, you know, I'd give a lesson on them. Hey, look at this. Anyway, long story short to say they just are not, they ebb and flow in their popularity in the classroom, which again, as a Montessori educator, we can get really obsessed with no one uses that. Well, why are we not putting enough energy or focus on it? Or maybe you don't enjoy giving that lesson. So then it never gets utilized. Or maybe the kids are just, they have a different interest and skills and their time is limited as much as we think like, oh, they have this awesome, you know, like three hour work period, ideally, 
yeah, stuff happens. So anyway, all of that to say, I have had one of the boxes and um, some of the filing boxes on the shelf always. And the other day, some of uh, my fourth grade girls were, they asked me, they were like, have we done this? And I said, well, you've had a lesson, but you might need a review. It's probably been a while. So they asked for a review and one of the girls commented, she said, there's this work is so beautiful. And then they realized, well, this work is really fun. How come no one uses this? And I said, I don't know. Maybe you'll inspire your friends. And, and I said, you know, there are a lot more boxes and they got so excited. So they helped me to take them out of, I had them on a separate storage shelf, you know, not in the classroom. Well, it was in the classroom, but it wasn't accessible to the kids. They helped me take them out. They helped me dust them, wipe them down, and they organized them completely on the shelf. And they were so proud of themselves. And they are so excited to do every single box, build every single sentence, act out every single command. I mean, they are just on fire for it. And I just, that is such a good reminder of, you know, one, not underestimating um, the interest and curiosity of children, their potential, but also involving them to the point where now they've taken ownership of it and they've made it their personal mission to make this work cool and inspiring to the other kids. And what's so awesome is that these girls will become fifth graders in my class and can, and and their inspiration from this week will carry on for years now. Like I might never have an issue ever again with a grammar boxes not being used. Um, so, I mean, I guess you just, you don't know. So that goes back to, you know, that observation and that keeping that open mind and that open heart. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to observe my child and I'm going to just figure out like, what is something that I'm potentially doing that my focus is not placed on my child and I'm holding them back. So what can, what can you change? Just some simple changes. Um, really focusing on, are you giving them opportunities for success and are you allowing for independence? So this, this change in your focus, um, is, you know, it's a lot more difficult than just saying, okay, I'm going to read more with my child or we're going to spend more time outside. This might require an entire overhaul of your schedule or your habits and your organization. And as overwhelming as this might sound, you can start small. So simple changes can have a really big impact. For example, at home, providing stools in your kitchen or your bathroom so your child can become more independent and helpful. Um, reorganizing, you know, a cupboard so that your child can reach supplies for their, for maybe like simple food preparation to get their own snack or setting the table or getting their own water to drink. Um, a really big one, like I cannot stress this enough. Please just teach your child the coat flip. If you don't know what that is, Google it. It's where you flip their coat, you lay it on the ground, you put the hood towards their feet and it's the inside of the coat facing up and they push their arms through the sleeves and flip it over their heads. Their coat is on their body. How this is not a more universal skill, I, I don't know. The other thing that I cannot stress enough, especially in this day and age where literally we have access to so many goods and products, please purchase your child's shoes that they can put on themselves. Please stop buying them shoes 
that are just for fashion or I don't even know what. Just get them shoes they can put on themselves. I don't care if you think Crocs are ugly. I don't care if you think, you know, whatever boots are hideous. I don't, I don't care. Your child will feel so empowered if they can put on their own shoes. And guess what? You have just eliminated two entire steps to getting out the door. So think back to my example of, you know, the yelling at your child. Maybe that's a habit you have. That's where, that's a you problem. That is not your child's fault. So what is your schedule like? Are you allowing time for them to get ready? Are you giving them enough? Hey, we're going to, when the clock looks like this, we're leaving. Here we go. This is what five minutes feels like or whatever. But also having their items accessible on a low hook or in a basket or a rack that they can reach. And then having them, you know, be able to successfully put things on by themselves. It will revolutionize your life and it will help your child in fine motor, gross motor, self-confidence and independence. And these are all, all keys to unlocking their potential for their entire lives. I know that sounds really dramatic, but it really is for their entire life. Also, what are your expectations and boundaries for things like we're sitting at the table and having a meal? I guarantee you, if you involve your child in the process of preparing the table, preparing the food, guess what? They're going to want to sit at that table with you and eat. Are you letting them wander away? Are you letting them make a giant mess? Have you provided a small broom and dustpan for them to help to clean up at the end? Have you provided a small water bottle and a towel that just has maybe water and vinegar in it and they can go around and help wipe down the table at the end? How are you including them and what types of tools are you providing within the environment? So it takes more setup initially. Yes, there will be a learning curve. But I promise you, it will be faster than you think. And, you know, many people ask ask us at school all the time, how do we get 24 young children to dress to go outside? So we practice. We support independence. And we don't expect them to get it on their first day, the first time it snows. We're not, we're not expecting it to go quickly. But let me tell you, we have toddlers who can get fully dressed to go out on a snowy day. I'm talking snow bibs, boots hats, coats. The thing that some of them need help with is gloves. And we sing a song. I make up songs all the time about gloves going last. So, I mean, yes, you have to build that into your schedule and you have to build in that patience into your expectations. But, and, you know, it's not easy. It isn't going to be easy to make these changes, but the benefits far outweigh the effort that it takes to get there. And again, you are building skills for life, for their whole life. I guarantee you, and maybe this is me bragging, but I think the reason why, you know, my son has gotten through, he's not just my son, but our son, Noah, you can listen to him on the first episode. Um, He's such an amazing human. And I think the reason why he's gotten through so many of his challenging moments in his teen years is because he can always go back to that foundation of he could do things himself. Teach me to do it myself. Is he perfect at them? Is his room clean? Is, does, does he do all of his schoolwork? No, no, he is still navigating life and learning And being a teen is tough, you know? These are things that I'm learning to have patience and empathy for. 
But I really do think the reason why he's making so much progress and and continuing to um, find his way back to being happy is because he had all these foundational skills. I know it. So, you know, when we teach a child to do things for themselves, we are truly giving them the world. We're giving them that opportunity to say, I am capable. And when you step in and take that opportunity away from a child, here, let me do it. No, don't do that. I'll just feed that. You can't cut that. Blah, blah, blah. I'll sh- I'll do it. You are directly telling them, I am better at this than you. And because everybody's their own person, because every personality and mind is different, because everybody learns and grows at their own rate, you don't know if your child is going to be the kind of person who says, well, never mind then. I just won't even try anymore. There, or there's always somebody better than me. Why bother? Or if they're going to be the kind of person who rages against that and is just like, nope, at no cost will you take away my freedom, my independence. So then you've got the other extreme where they're just doing all kinds of things that are potentially unsafe because they're busting out of those restraints. So which is it going to be? Well, wouldn't you rather set them up for success and develop an environment and a schedule and opportunities of freedom within boundaries, safety, self-awareness, as well as saying, I believe in you. So, you know, I guess um, these kinds of opportunities, these kinds of skills are, um, you know, these are much better than anything that money could ever buy. By being able to give your child this, you, your your attention, your understanding, your empathy, your time in creating an environment for them where they can be successful. Whether you're a classroom educator, homeschooler, or parent with a young child or a teen at home, um, it doesn't matter what you buy them, if you buy them the beautiful Montessori materials or the expensive wooden toys or any of that. What matters is you taking the time to understand their needs their search for independence and adjusting your focus um, of your understanding of them and making that time for improvement, improvement and awareness of their skills. So, you know, for, I mean, I guess to transfer that to my classroom, um, understanding that the children, you know, sometimes they can teach one another better than I can teach them. Sometimes I need to not let my ego get in the way and just understand that, oh, you, you did that work with that person. Oh, great. Even if I was, I was really wanting to show them that work. Um, also the other side of saying, wow, this, this really is choice is overwhelming for a lot of children. A lot of children don't have opportunities to make choices for themselves outside of the classroom. So then I've, I've started something that I call Bucket Works, where I just put the names of different lessons or works in the bucket, and they just get to go choose one. And sometimes that is what all they need to inspire them. Or sometimes realizing, I don't want to choose from the bucket, will kick them into gear to saying, okay, I can walk up to a shelf and choose something now. 
So those are just a couple of my ideas more from school. So I guess I'll just end today with, this episode's been really long, but I'll end today with just that gentle reminder that with every goal and good intention in life, a really important element to not forget is just that balance, you know, just coming back to that balance and finding that you, you know, like, so my word is consistent for the year or this month or this week or whatever, but I've been trying to focus on just like honoring, I'm going to be consistent in being present. I'm going to be consistent in moving my body every day. I'm going to be consistent in, um, you know, reading, taking at least 10 minutes of my day to read a book of my choice. Um, you know, and I just really think that it kind of gets this way, you know, and, um, I like to I like to do distance running and I've done it for a few years now and I've done it off and on for like 20 years you know where I had no no goal no intentions no training nothing I just didn't know what I was doing and now I've gone through a period of like I wanted to in- train intensely and do all the things and rah, be this kind of runner and now I've come back to this place where I'm just so grateful that I can I can move my body in that way and that I enjoy it and that um, it doesn't matter if I'm the fastest or the fittest or the one with the most miles or whatever, that I'm just I'm just grateful that I can have that consistency in my life and that I can have something um, that I really enjoy. So, you know, again, it doesn't have to be that you go out and buy all these wooden toys or materials for your home or your classroom or you make this like we're going to, this is our schedule. This is our reading schedule, or we're going to do this every single day. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, it's not about the perfect thing or the perfect organizer. It's about improving the effort and our, and our focus on our actions and our support in the life of our child. And really that begins with you taking the time to look at your child and notice this is what they need. This is what I can help with. This is what I can adjust to to come back to finding that balance and to deepening the relationship. And that ultimately, you know, with anything, especially with children, um, being able to continue to keep that open mind and open heart and let go when you have to. Whether you're the classroom teacher who is trying to force a lesson that just isn't happening or the kids aren't, you know, as into it, or you ran out of time and it just didn't happen in the time frame that you imagined, letting it go, it's okay. Um, and then celebrating the times when it does go the way that you imagined and hoped. And it's the same with your child. Well, that trip to the park didn't go that way. Or I did all the things she said on our podcast and it still isn't working. I mean, you know, it's, you, you have to ha- allow for that grace. And um, yeah, so, you know, I really hope that the changes, the few ideas that I've laid out today um, can be made with what you own and that you don't feel like you have to have this pressure to you know, go buy things or figure things out. Although I will say, I will throw this in there. I did go to the thrift store today and I'm going to put a couple inspiring little things on my Instagram because sometimes that's fun, um, for you to kind of see like, Oh, I didn't think I could use that in that way. But I do hope that some of these ideas have been inspiring and I hope that you can approach the new year with a renewed focus and just keeping that balance in mind. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe that's going to be your, word for the year is that balance or that refocus or consistency um, with your actions, your intentions in the life of the 
you know, your child or the children who are in your life. As always, thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day or week ahead, wherever you might be in your life. Um, until next time, thanks for tuning in.